This is a 980 CKNW podcast. Well, we talk a lot about density, about housing supply, different forms of housing. Is it time to really reshape neighborhoods in Vancouver? My next guest is an associate professor of sociology at UBC, also the author of The Death and Life of the Single Family Home. And Nathan Loster joins us on the line. Nathan, thanks so much for being here. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, is it the, the death of the single-family home or the war on the single-family home that I think some people still cling to the dream of owning? Uh, you know, I mean, I think we definitely have a, uh, a city here in Vancouver as a metropolitan area. We've moved further away from the single-family detached house than any other metropolis in North America at this point in terms of how many people are living outside of that particular circumstance. So in that sense, we are really seeing um, a change here. Uh, is it the death of the single-family detached house? I mean, hardly. We still have them all over the place. So, so that's, uh, uh, I think, kind of how we're positioned as a city. Uh, but is it something that, that people would like to see change? When we hear in Vancouver about changing the zoning and allowing for single-family homes, zoned areas to suddenly uh, build duplexes or build laneway homes and such, is that? Or do you think we're going to see a shift and people are just waiting to cash in on that? You know, I definitely think we are uh, seeing an opening up of options in terms of the single-family neighborhoods. And we've already seen, as you mentioned, right, the laneways and the secondary suites um, and I think people are also now looking at other options, other ways to uh, move towards um, basically densifying a lot of these neighborhoods, which have been left untouched more or less uh, for, you know, 50 years uh, plus. Uh, so it, it really has been uh, something that I think we're seeing increasing, an increasing pace of change, and especially just recently, as we see a lot of the other lands where in the past we might have redeveloped, especially the industrial lands, uh, already now having been redeveloped. So there's not a whole lot of other places to go aside from the agricultural lands, which um, we want to protect in terms of the ALR, uh, aside from going up the mountainside, which, again, we want to protect in terms of uh, the natural beauty of of, uh, the area. So I think a lot of people really are looking at how else do we accommodate more people um, in this metropolis if we want to continue to grow. Uh, besides starting to open up these single-family residential neighborhoods, which really do occupy an enormous amount of our of our land. Is it a difference as well, or or, do, or is it more of an accepted thing when we look at streets like Camby and Oak Street and, and Granville Street, where we look at these main roads where the single-family homes have come crashing down, uh, being demolished and replaced with row housing and such? Uh, is there less of a feel of a loss of community when we're doing that rather than going right into uh, the more residential communities with residential streets and such? You know, it's an interesting question. I feel like the uh, the notion of community is kind of tricky here, right? I mean, what do we mean by community? Oftentimes what we're interested in when we're sort of signifying community is something recognizable, some recognizable neighborhood. Um, and, I mean, it varies where we get that across the city. Oftentimes it's actually the commercial streetscapes streets like Camby or Broadway or Main Street that actually provide a sense of community in that sense. And that doesn't really change um, when you actually have uh, a new set of commercial uh, operators come in. Um, It can still be a source of community, uh, despite the fact that the community itself and who uh, patronizes those businesses might change. Um, but that said, I mean, I think that uh, uh, the notion that single-family detached houses build community and other kinds of um, structures don't, I think it's just wrong. Um, there's real evidence that we see communities develop in a diverse set of housing types. Um, 
so I don't think that we're necessarily losing community when we lose single-family attached houses. In fact, we might actually be um, creating less isolation for, for many people uh, by virtue of the ways that they run into their neighbors more often in other kinds of housing. Um, so we, we should be open, at least, to these other ways of understanding community and what might be happening when we actually uh, do densify. That said, in terms of uh, the, the neighborhoods, I think that uh, building along the arterials is this interesting strategy that we see in Vancouver, and we see it in a lot of places, quite frankly. Um, you know, it has the plus side of trying to uh, figure out some way of um, densifying that, that isn't seen as an attack on community, as you say it. Um, but uh, on the downside, what it ends up doing is densifying right in the areas which we know are also the most polluted and the noisiest. So we end up pushing all these people who can't afford the single-family detached house into um, our most polluted, noisiest environments where they're surrounded by surrounding these, uh, these car-centric modes of travel. Um, and that's quite frankly, just unjust, because those are often not even the people who are using the cars. No, that's true. And I, the Oak Ridge development came to mind when you talk about that, because here's something with the towers, so which people uh, sometimes uh, tend to dislike. But is the idea that if you build it correctly and you have park space and community space and such, uh, even though people might be living in towers, as you said, they're still going to be running into each other and they're still going to have that sense of community. Yeah, absolutely. That's certainly the the city's goal is to build these kinds of uh, uh, community spaces and build those as amenities that come with densification. And that's why they have the whole uh, CAC program where they um, basically ask for amenity uh, contributions in exchange for enabling and allowing density. Um, So, yeah, that's absolutely, I think, uh, the goal there, uh, that the park space is supposed to be one meeting space and also a way to get outside and and outdoors, since, of course, we're also giving up yards for a lot of these people who would be moving into a high-rise. But even within the high-rise itself, I mean, again, I I mentioned this story just because it really struck me when I was talking to people for writing the book that I wrote. People, you know, there are people who live in condominium buildings where people leave their doors open in their hallways and kids run back and forth between units and people share meals all the time. So that kind of community can actually operate uh, within a condominium building. Now, it's also worth noting that that's not everyone's cup of tea. Uh, that might be a little bit too much running back and forth in chaos for me, for instance. <laughs> but uh, but some people really like that, and you can get that in, in a high-rise building uh, at least as easily as you can get in a single-family neighborhood, if that's what people want. Uh, we only have a couple of minutes. Should people, though, it almost feels like we were going in that, shifting in a direction where people who still want the family home, a uh, single-family home, are made to feel bad for wanting that? Sure, you know, and I don't think anybody should feel bad for wanting it. Um, uh, I don't think in the context of Vancouver that that many people can have it. Um, so I don't think that anyone should feel like this is a terrible thing, uh, but I, sh- I do think that we, what we've been treating the single-family detached house as like the living standard that everyone should have. And as a matter of fact, we've been legislating that most of our laws should be locked up for single-family detached houses. And what I'm really trying to do with my book, um, and what I think a lot of people are trying to do in terms of saying we should rethink this, is just talk about how living in a single-family detached house is really just a lifestyle. It shouldn't be a living standard. And it's one of many different kinds of lifestyles, and it's not even necessarily the best one in terms of what's good for us, what's good for the environment, everything else. So I think opening up our options in that sense would be a really good idea and making sure that if, if you live in a house, that's great. I'm not telling anyone they shouldn't, but I think
think it's worth opening up our bylaws so that we can so that we have to stop forcing our neighbors to live in houses too. And that's something I think we should be looking to do. All right. And people can get the book if they want to check it out, I'm assuming, at all the the, uh, the regular places? I, I believe that is correct. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, Nathan, we're out of time, but thank you so much. Uh, interesting, interesting topic. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me on. All right. That is uh, Nathan Louster, an associate professor of sociology at UBC, also the author of The Death and Life of the Single Family Home, if you wanted to check out uh, his book. You've been listening to a 980 CKNW podcast. Listen live at cknw.com, the Radio Player Canada app, TuneIn, Amazon Alexa, HD Radio at 101.1 FM HD2, and on the AM dial, 980 CKNW.